The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to a special edition of Bub and the Bloom, coming at you live from First Pitch, Arizona, not in Florida. It's in Mesa, Arizona, which I learned last night. Um... As usual, you can find me on Twitter at BDN. Trick and my co-host is always live with Bloomboards in person on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, man? Doing fantastic. Special episode tonight. Live audience. We have our first ever live sponsor for the show. (laughs) High noon. We've got a few of those in between us on the desk. We've got, yeah, day two here in Arizona. Day one was fantastic. It, It poured rain on us did we play golf, golf did you play golf we we did did, did you play golf how'd you do we did play golf the uh your sandbagger the 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 running joke is i guess i'm too i don't know nice humble mm-hmm. whatever to say i'm okay yeah. at golf okay. i went out and, and and tied my best ever round yeah. yesterday so it was yeah. good timing yeah. but uh but everyone's giving me crap for it all weekend long they should so that's um they should give them crap past the weekend too yeah they probably will yeah they good. probably will but no it's been uh it's been fantastic, and we're only like halfway through. This yeah, that's crazy. night when we're recording, we just got back from uh, mm-hmm. Scottsdale Stadium, and the party keeps going. We told everybody for over a month this is the place to be, and it's been pretty darn awesome. I know the people here are enjoying it, so it's a, it's a yearly tradition like any other, and um, we appreciate you guys for coming. Interaction is encouraged for ADP debates and some other stuff coming up, so feel free. Questions up here on the mic. Just do it in orderly fashion, Mr. Carter, and we'll have a great time. But um, I will, I will, I will, hold on. I'm going to indulge my sponsor here with a. We'll do that. <laughs> there so. we go. We're going to have some fun on this show. As you can tell, it's not your normal bub in the bloom. It will be kind of. And we'll have actual bloom boards right there for you to enjoy. So we'll have some fun with that also. But we'll do a couple of debates just because it's that time of the year. Drafts are kicking off. Saturday at FPAS will be a couple of draft and holds, a best ball, and some other fun stuff in the NFPC format. And we've got 12 drafts already completed. There's some. some ADP debates that kind of stood out in a big, big way, just kind of like shock value, I guess, because we have a lot of things that are going to change over the next months with injuries and signings and all kinds of fun. But, you know, this is what we do. This is what we have fun doing. So the first one we have here, and we'll talk about it in a second, and we'll get you guys' opinion on this. Jacob deGrom, who isn't signed, we don't know where he's going. We know the issues with health. ADP of 34 right now through 12 drafts. Spencer Strider has an ADP of 36. The oblique injury, didn't really pitch in the postseason. The strikeout rate through the roof. Just an amazing pitcher. Could be the next big thing. Could be young, and we know how that ends sometimes. There's a lot of question marks to be had there. But you have DeGrom, who even we found out in a half a season with Phil Dussault, is elite, is amazing. And then you have Strider. So, Ryan, you want the young buck or the chosen veteran that might have his arm fall off at any moment? 
I so I have Strider, so we've already done yes. one draft, but that was back in the fifth round. And he got him, or you'll never get him again in the fifth round. So yes, back in August. I don't know if I would pay the price in the early third on really either of these two, but I think Degrom's the play for a couple reasons. I think just at a per inning basis, it's not really even close for how great Spencer Strider is. Jacob Degrom is just not at that human level but from a roster build and especially like in early dcs and even in even in later drafts you're kind of you know you're not getting a full season out of jacob Degrom, and you can kind of plan and build your team maybe take a separate additional starter in those i don't know maybe like middle rounds maybe a more uh, aggressive pocket aces or pair with like a yeah like a pocket aces and and go that route i think you just you can kind of plan for a lower workload with the Grom, where I think if you're taking Strider, I know he had the oblique and kind of ended the season on a little bit of a, of a shaky note, uh, but I think if you're taking Strider, you're kind of expecting, not, not to say Strider is like a workhorse or anything at his stage with his kind of lack of volume in the past, but I just think you go for the per inning stud and you plan for um, some missed time. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Jacob DeGrom. I don't know. I, I lean, know if you're on board with that or not. I lean to Grom just because I really don't care where he signs. He's Jacob DeGrom, so that's going to be just fine. But um, the, the injuries concern me, don't get me wrong, but you're not also paying a top like six pick, seven pick like we've had to do in recent years. You're getting him maybe early round three. Maybe he falls in certain drafts. You don't know. Might go up. Maybe signs. Some are great. Who knows? But um, Strider, the, the problem with Strider, he's great. I hate paying a premium for a guy off a career year, and that's just a bugaboo of mine. If he was fifth round like you got him, outstanding. Now you got him at you know early third, and no one would be shocked if he turns into a late second. Like just when the hype, yeah. if well, you see him throw yeah. two spring inning outings and he's just like rolling again, that that ADP is gonna keep climbing. So it, it's tough, and obviously we're talking about the ADP now, not what's gonna happen in spring. But I think I still lean to Grom, hoping that what we saw towards the end of the year, another off season, he gets healthy, and, and you can get maybe a hundred and a hundred and forty like Degrom innings. That might be overshooting it. Is elite, elite stuff like. You know, Vlad's here. We saw Kershaw throw like 140, and that was elite stuff in the past. DeGrom could probably trump that in a heart with the strikeouts he can put together. So I lean that direction. Now, from the, do you have more on that? I was just going to say, so an interesting thing, and we're talking, if we're talking DeGrom and the workload, and Bubba, you said like maybe around 140. So one of the, um, I mean, again, just to plug first pitch because there's so much, so much amazing content out here. Matt Cedarholm did an injury analysis panel this morning, and I know uh, as, as Ray Murphy walks in the room and I give away first pitch information on a podcast, I uh, <laughs> one of the one of the things that Matt um, that Matt brought up was, and and this is just kind of a larger thing. It's with with Degrom, it's hard to just project a firm innings total yeah. for what we think. What Matt, what Matt did in his column was really smart. He gave a range of outcomes because that's what a projection is. It's an average range of outcomes. And he put Jacob deGrom at, given the history of these injuries, the stress fracture, partial UCL tear, like given what has happened to that in the past, he gives Jacob deGrom a 4% chance of reaching 180 innings, 15% chance at 160. So we'll call it 20. This is cumulative. Um, over 25% chance to go 140. So, so I was optimistic. Okay. 140 is kind of your medium. So over 25, but it's again, it's cumulative. So really 45% chance he goes 140. 120 innings, 25% chance. 100 innings, 10%, 8, 
80 innings, 10%, and that sort of thing. So it's kind of that, kind of like bell curve that kind of goes in the middle between like 120, 140. And that was Matt's kind of conclusion in that, um, in that panel was to expect maybe like 120, 130 innings. So I think kind of the question is like, and maybe we'll throw this out to the audience, it's like, at what innings total do you take Jacob deGrom over Spencer Strider? Like if you knew you had 80 innings of deGrom, would you take deGrom? Or Strider, we'll do a show of hands. Would you take Strider or 80 of DeGrom? How many innings from Strider? We'll go, we'll, we'll assume a full Strider. Well, here, we'll say like here's, 150. Well, here's, here's my question for we'll that. Real say quick. Like or here's my tie on to that. So we saw 130, we count the postseason, 134 basically from Strider this last year. In 2021, we saw 66. And so that's a jump. Yeah. The injury issues. Here's just an easier one besides either or. Who do you think throws more innings this year? The Grummer Strider. I'm not so sure. Well, with the injury I, I don't think it's I, to me it's not. Not it's close. Not, Were you gonna say not close? It's very important. <laughs> yeah. But for the listeners at home, we'll if, if Derek Rhodes. Any audience wants to Derek Rhodes, tell give your, your your information. Uh hi, I'm Derek. Uh hi Derek. Hi Derek. From from <laughs> From Illinois. Oh no. <laughs> first first time long time, guys. First time long time. Uh <laughs> Uh, no, uh, Derek Rhodes, I do injury stuff with uh, Baseball Prospectus. I think that's what Bubba was looking for. There you go. I, Maybe your Twitter if you want I, to throw yeah. it out there. What town I, in Illinois? No, <laughs> DRHOA3. Um, no, um, my thing with DeGrom versus Strider, like the, the stuff we saw from Strider, like is a guy who throws hard, like oblique injury coming off a year which he's really increased his innings. Sure, like th that's a very predictable – I don't know predictable is maybe not the right word. It's a pretty likely outcome. Um, but like his range of injuries is dramatically different than DeGrom. So to me, like you look at DeGrom, like it's multiple years of elbow injuries and the fact that he throws so stinking hard, like it's not just his elbow, it's his shoulder. It's like, it's his entire body. And like Strider has that too, but he's like, was it eight year age gap, 10 year age gap? I mean, like it's, it's, and so, he's already had TJ too. Like I just, to That's me, plus. just the ages alone, and now obviously DeGrom's a, an outlier, so any outlier, I mean, like, you know, a guy like him can, but like, I would say to me, if you're projecting the range of outcomes, like Spencer Strider, I don't, I, you wouldn't project him for 200, yeah. but to me, no. I think like you pretty project him, I would 160? probably 150 to 160. Okay. So that goes back to the Cedarstrom's 140 potential. Do you want 160 of Strider or 140 of DeGrom? That's what I'm saying. Now it gets more interesting. That's the whole point. Of that. That's what makes yeah. this. It, it was very just. The whole point of this is just to have fun conversation like this. Is just seeing how close they are in ADP. You have a guy that used to be like a top six, seven pick, and you got this lightning rod and Strider kind of coming together here, and it makes things kind of, you know, it's November fourth, so it kind of makes it fun to start thinking about the future on this. And um, you know, I won't even get it. Like you'll hear everybody say two pitches for Strider. I'm not worried about that. The dude proved he can do whatever he wants with two pitches. So that's fine, but uh, it'll be fun to kind of see where those ADPs keep going. They might go opposite directions for all we know in the next, you know, month or two when guys really start cranking up around Thanksgiving, Christmas, and and get going. So that's that's a fun one for sure. Another fun one for you guys. Shortstop position here. We got O'Neill Cruz, who everyone loves, but you know they might love him more than he can actually hit a baseball or make contact with a baseball, which is, which is really really fun. And he's got an ADP around 76 right now. And then you got the one that either you really love or you just really hate. That's Corey Seager, 76.5. You know, you got Cruz, all the power, all the speed, all the strikeouts. Seager coming off 33 home runs, played 151 games, the most games he's played since 2016. Just going to reiterate that real quick. 
Only the third time in, or third fourth time in his career, he's been over 130 games in his career. Let me read that real quick. So, um, Bloom, you go O'Neill Cruz, the prospect that maybe, you know, after some more reps figures it out, maybe it's 250 with all the power and speed. Or do you go with Seager, who we know doesn't steal a ton. We talked about it with other guys. But all the, all the power he can give you and the batting average asset, which is tremendous in this area where guys hitting 240 everywhere. For me, it's Seager with, with a caveat. But I'll, for, I'll, I'll first start talking about Cruz. So on the way over to um, – to the game tonight, we we gave a ride to to James Anderson, and it was it was really informative, kind of hit, picking his brain. It was it's kind of a deal. Like James, we'll give you a ride if you if you, if you dump your brain. And then you got to sit next to us during the on game, the way. and on the way back, it's it's like a package deal here. Um, but he was just saying, like for him, the most important thing for either prospects in the high minors before they get called up or that first kind of foray, that first dance against MLB pitching is strikeout rate. Like, that is king. And I know O'Neill Cruz has the 17 homers, the 11 steals last year, and 360 plate appearances. Like, that upside is is sexy. What is not sexy is a 35% K rate. And I know we're going to see – and I – he did improve in the second half. You'll see some plate discipline metrics. He did not chase as often – um, as he did in the first half, like you're, you'll you will probably run into some rolling graphs on if you're on Twitter throughout the offseason, you'll see that kind of in season plate discipline improvement. But it has not for me translated yet to strikeout rate. And that's the um, I'm, I'm glad James said that because that that reinforced kind of what I was thinking. So I'm going to go the safer Corey Seager. The, the one caveat that um, and we've talked about this on the. 2022 review pods is if you're getting Corey Seager with no steals up the middle, you need to have a plan for bags. You need to maybe take a JT Real Muto a couple rounds earlier or focus on bags in the outfield because they're not there in the corner. And if you're not wasting, but one of your middle infield spots, one of those three spots is on zero steals from Corey Seager, maybe one or two or whatever, um, you've got to have a plan for that. But um, I'm still, I mean, the, 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 the Corey Seager, the Seal Vlad Settlers in the room, that this year's Christian Yelich, which was a really great call, steals aside, um, I think he's going to have a big year, year two in Texas. It's fair. I've always been kind of anti Corey because he doesn't play that often. And he did this year. And he proved he, 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 proved he can play. Now, can he do it next year? He didn't prove he couldn't. He didn't really get hurt. So that's just maybe me being a bias. that we got to get over. We talk about that all the time on the show. So, um, at least it's more intriguing. But looking at Cruz's graph, like you said, I just kind of was perusing it. And his numbers kept his overall like zone swing, O swing, K rates. It, it trended beautifully, actually, as the season went on. There was some market improvements. And he had a 44% K rate in 2021 in the bigs, 34% last year, and bigger sample size, of course. But just kind of seeing the improvements he's made, we know the ceiling he can bring to the table. And at that point in the draft, if you say you took a Freddie Freeman, or you took a guy early and you want to take the gamble on getting stolen bases later, Cruz gives you pretty elite stuff if, if it pans out. So I guess it's more the lazy answer roster construction. But that's if I, lazy. Yeah, that's that's lazy. I, I said it. I said it. <laughs> but if you um, if you want to pick between the two, I, I had my boring drafter, so I'd probably go Corey Seager, which people who have listened to my show long enough would probably think I'm a liar. But, um, yeah, I would, I would say Seager on this one. What do you guys say, Seager or O'Neill Cruz? I, I like it. It's, it's, an, it's an upside play. It's, uh, we ha- we Vlad, have one for the, for the Vlad, listeners at home. Micro- we have I, I one. Wanna ask, I want to ask Vlad a question, being the NFPC guy that he is. So, 
you talked about it in your panel earlier was you and David Potts and um, Steve Weimer. Would this be more like an overall play? You go with O'Neill Cruz for like an overall, trying to get the ceiling where Cruz is more like. I mean, Seager's different. I know it's a little different on the on the strikeout rate, like, but just kind of have get like a Fernando Tatis vibe. There was that one year when Tatis came in and he was just like a twenty second round pick and just you know absolutely smashed. You know the the balance of you know you know the upside potential you're going to get from somebody like an O'Neill Cruz and especially at that price point, it's really solid. Um, on the Corey Seager side, you pretty much know what you're going to get, but now you're throwing in the shift factor, right? That is going to be in play for 2023. He was, you know, the highest shifted player in the league last season. There could be even a little bit more growth on the power side. He's always been like a career 290 hitter, and maybe that's gone down a little bit from this previous season. You kind of know what you're getting. It's almost like you're Freddie Freeman without the steals a, a few rounds later. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with how you're building your team up until that point, right? You're, a lot of things you're considering, what uh, Ryan was talking about. Do you have steals at that point? Or are you, you know, not getting, you're not getting them from a, from a middle infield spot? And also, um, if you have a nice, balanced, solid team up until the point where you're looking at a cruise, cruise might be a great fit because at 75 – you're talking about a guy that can potentially return first round value. And even if he hits yep. 225, 230, yep. does it really matter if he's getting you 35 home runs and you know, 25 stolen bases? So um, the, your team context, your roster context at that point in time when you're looking at him in the fifth, sixth round, I think makes uh, makes a big difference. But it's a great question you guys yeah, posed. It's, it's an interesting one, seeing them side by side. You know, the hype train on O'Neill Cruz. This time last year, everyone was like, oh, you got to take him in your DCs. He was the big guy. You got to take him. And then. Did it really pan out? I don't know. Kind of, maybe, no. It's so it's it's interesting to see already where he's going now and assuming obviously he's gonna start out the gate, which he should. So it'll be interesting to see where that one plays out. Back to your starting pitchers real quick. Um, this one will be a little quicker, but it's it's fun to see this grouping in play. It's been talked about a lot. Alex Fast talked about him a ton because Nick Pollock's it's his best friend. Um, not at not Alex Fast, Sandy Alcantara, who <laughs> was um he's got an ADP around twenty six. Dylan Cease has an ADP around twenty six. And Brandon Woodruff has an ADP around 27. So it's do you go with Sandy, who faded down the stretch, but you're going to probably get 200 innings again because that's just what Sandy does. Um, Dylan Cease, who took that next step in a big, big way, and we'll get to him more on a bloom board later. Or you got Brandon Woodruff, who is steady Eddie. I remember one of our earlier shows this year is when he couldn't feel a baseball and he was on the bloom board and we were, yep. we, we were taking bets on, out of all the guys here, who finishes the season probably like below 3-5 ERA. I don't remember what he had right now, but we got pretty darn close if he didn't get there. And it was one of those, like, literally people were asking, sell, sell. Like, don't sell Brandon Woodruff. Like, he's going to figure this out, and it came to fruition on this one. So um, we'll just do this one quick. Do you have any comments on this? And then we'll send it to the crowd. No, I think, I mean, so going back to the the, the, the Grom Strider thing, that's an early third-round pick. So you're going to have, if you're in the first kind of portion of the D.C., you're going to have that option to take one of those Alcantara mm-hmm. Cease like Woodruff in the, in the second too. round. Yeah. So, and I think I would jump really all three of those guys, but Woodruff the most over those over those three. So you like Woodruff? That's one reason why I've always loved Woodruff. He's literally we talk about the boring pick. His floor is one of the more consistent things we've seen, yep. like all across baseball. Sandy's awesome, but you know throwing two hundred innings over and over and over again. We haven't seen that since the, the old days. Some of these guys probably weren't even born yet. And, um, and then you got Cease, who was great, but we, we've seen the hiccups with Cease, and it's a control thing. And it was better last year. Can he do it for two years in a row? That's a question. So raise your hand if you want Sandy Alcantara. Over Cease and Woodruff. Yeah. So we got two. Dylan Cease. 
six. Um, six hundred. Yeah, Woodruff. Woodruff. Two hundred. Six hundred. Woodruff takes it. Woodruff sees Alcantara. That that is impressive. I love that. That's interesting. That's really good. I might throw this one on Twitter later. That's a fun one because I think it's really really close. And it's kind of a combination of personal preference, risk tolerance, like almost just do you believe? Like did Cease really take that jump? Because the dude's elite, but. We've seen when it's bad, it goes off the rails, and that's when it can get like real ugly at that price point. So, fun one to uh, to keep in mind. Last but not least, we go to second base. That's the one Ryan found earlier, and it's um, if you go back to our middle infield review we did, we talked about the pockets of, I guess not value but earned value at yep. the position, at the and then it, yeah. and then it just kind of died off, and there's a little value later on, but there was a pocket that we talked about, and it's almost like a pocket's already forming at second base. The number one overall pick, well-deserved, is Trey Turner, second base shortstop. Like, he's still going to be my number one until he stops playing baseball, probably. Like, he's just – because you want to talk consistency. Like, this is what you get from Trey Turner. But then, 40 picks later, there's no second base pick for 40 picks. 40 picks. You got Ozzie Albies at 41 coming off the injury. I'm not too worried about. You got Marcus Simeon, who made everybody cry and then made them all happy at 43. <laughs> and then Jose Altuve, who last year – was he, like, ADP of, like, 80, 90? Yeah, it was phenomenal last year. He was 80 or 90 but, last year. But, he was, yeah. but it was like baked in, okay, you hit for average, some power, no steals. He stole bases. We'll talk about him later. But um, Jose Altuve, 47. So you got Albies, Simeon, Simeon not Simeon, Simeon, and, um, and Altuve. It's like, do you trust Altuve to do it again? Simeon is literally – we talk – Steve Weimer and these guys talk volume. Yep. Not many guys have more volume consistently year after year than Marcus Simeon. Like he is the definition of volume. And then you have Ozzy Albies, who we know win healthy – is 2020 with – I wouldn't be shocked if he ever gets 30-30 someday, or at least 30-25, like the dude's that good. Where would you go at this at second base? Well, and we've got Jazz Chisholm. We've got your boy who's also right there. I wasn't going to bring 50, him up because so. that, that, that turns into a bias pull. It's, and I didn't, want, I didn't want to go there. They know my love for Jazz, so that's kind of a problem. It's funny. Like, yeah, like second – like you said, Bob, a second base. Jazz should have been 40-40 last year, by the way, and I'll stand by that. <laughs> I am going to stand by that. Well, quick quick hint at uh, the baseball forecaster this year. There is a, a pretty good upside – projection of jazz chisholm and i didn't write it so we're good and it's um yes it did not come from bubba so it's a (laughs) it's an unbiased source um but yeah you've got those four guys albi semi and altuve chisholm and then at second base man it's trevor story two rounds later than you're like tommy edmund andre Jimenez. well then after him there's there's nothing there big drop it drops like another 50 picks so it's like if yeah if you're going for second base you're you're basically either taking trey turner or one of these four uh, guys that we're that we're talking about now. So I don't know. Um, I mean, if I think if I'd, I had to rank them, I'd go Semyon, Altuve, Jazz, Albies. It's but it's 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 I, close. I took, I took Albies in our draft. We did our idiot draft in August. Yeah, so like I took the third Albies round, there, right? Third or fourth round, yeah. Yeah. But I've I've always been Team Albies, and I'm Team Jazz. But I at the premium he was going. Like I think, I think he went in the round three or four in that draft. Um, he he does have an injury history, and that's that's concerning with Jazz. Like the talent is elite; it is special. I'm a true believer, but yeah, that's another ceiling type play for the crowd. Ozzy Albies, no one's with me. One, we got one in the back. Thank you, sir. Hundred, um, one hundred. <laughs> sorry, one hundred people in the back. Jazz Chisholm. I'm gonna mix them up in order here. Nobody. Marcus Simeon. Ooh, that's Mark. Jose Altuve. I think Altuve okay. took it. A mix between Altuve and Yeah, it's a combo of Yeah. 
There's actually a fun one I didn't put on here, but if you guys get bored later, you can hit me up. Like, there's a. No, no. It is not, I'm, it not, is I'm not, not. Hey, I've been. I've had a few drinks. Hey, 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 Carter. I've had a few drinks, but I'm not Tony Larusa. We're good. Um, but there, there's a fun one between like Jimenez and the guy that goes about 40 picks later. So we can have a conversation on that later if you want. But we have to move to Bloomboards. We have Bloomboards. That's we, what people. We, that's what people we come get, for. We get to move to yeah, Bloomboards. Yeah, that's what people come, come for. We, we, get we, to, we, we have, have the opportunity. We, we have a, a trivia question. Before we get to the actual boards up there, and it, it involves a bloom board, but it wasn't really necessary because it'll give you guys the answer if we uh, if we give it to you. But Ryan, since this is your creation, I'll let you have the floor on this one. Catchers. All right. So it, it's just interesting what what I was doing just in, in in prep for this, looking at the early catcher pool, um, and I was doing some just kind of grouping by position for ADP. And and so to give you guys kind of tee you up this question, the number of catchers that have been taken the last few years in the first ten rounds of main events, so the top 150 picks. In 2020, there were four catchers taken in the first 10 rounds. 2021, there were five. 2022, there were five. My question that I throw out to you, what is that number so far in these extremely early 2023 drafts? How many catchers are going in the first 10 rounds, given that four, five, five in the last three years? Scott Chu says nine to eight. I'm going to keep asking until someone gets it right. No. We have a six, seven. Nope. That's incorrect. Carter. Nope. Ten is right. We've got ten. We have ten. Which is crazy. Catchers. And that's why it's a fun – well, I'll let you keep going. No, but go it's, for it. It's, it, it's, a, it's a fun question because it's kind of like a, a topic of conversation. You know, there's the pocket aces, there's early closers, but there's a group of people like Toby and others that have proven, if you do it right – Catchers early is an option, but there's usually only like three or four. Right. That's your thing about going on. The fact that 10 are going already, and if you want the 10, it's JTR, Will Smith, Varsho, Salvi, Rushman, Wilson Contreras, Kirk, Melendez, Stevenson, and William Contreras. And like those are good catchers, but it makes you wonder why are you pushing some of them up? Is the question. Like, how would you, like, again, this is conversation probably for a later date, yeah. but like, are you going to be aggressive like this when it comes to, to catchers? Because this is this is a new, like if you okay if you're being aggressive on catchers here and you're being aggressive on starting pitchers and you're being aggressive on closers, yeah. where's your Something's offense? Gotta get where's your offense? Something's like you can't you can't get. do it, and that's what makes this very interesting to me. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's just I, I I've never seen a, a the depth of the catcher pool like this. It's it, catchers is always kind of like the running joke. Oh, let's let's start our position previews with. With catchers and everyone kind of groans and, and whatever, but there's just a lot of talent in that top 10. So, I mean, just different kinds of options. I mean, you have Real Muto, we, you have Varsho with the stolen base, you've got some power with, uh, with Sal Perez, you've just got different types of builds, I mean, even M MJ Melendez, um, mm -hmm. you got different types of guys in that, in that first Stevenson's 10. Stevenson's coming off an injury. Stevenson's coming off an injury, but still going in like the ninth round. Uh, I think volume is the one of the big things. Well, there, and, and so. the, the other thing is, is we talked about it a ton last year. Is you could almost stream catchers last year at a point. Like yeah. it wasn't like weekly streams, but every yeah, couple of weeks were there on was that a lot last year. There was, was a there was yeah. really reliable options, especially in twelves. But in fifteens, like the Cal Raleigh's were there for at least a little while. Like you had you had guys you can kind of mix and match for a bit and, and make it work. So it's I'm not saying punt catchers by any means, but it's just weird seeing. Top 150, first 10 rounds in a 15-team league where you, you don't want some starting pitching, probably at least one closer, some pretty good bats with steals. You better take JTR so you get some steals. Otherwise, you're – or Varsho. Or otherwise, 
you might be pigeonholing yourself. You're not taking Seager. You're not taking Foreman or Freeman. It's going to get rough real quick. Yeah. So yep. it's, it's, it was just an interesting thing that he pointed out. Cause that's what Bloom boards too, of course. But um, it just stood out like ten catchers in the top one fifty. Ten. It's wild. It's wild. A lot. I mean, a lot of them. Well, not a lot of them. Five of them are after pick a hundred. So there's kind of a clump there. Uh, maybe like seventh, eighth round. But um, yeah, something I haven't seen before. So well, we maybe that st- changes. But is it time for stolen bases? Let's do stolen bases. This right, one's fun. This one's fun. Um, so stolen bases. Um, over years, you know, we talked. That's a big topic of conversation this weekend with the new rules, four and a half inches. We're not going to go further with that, but um, they they talked about uh, maybe more steals, the pickoff rules, and we saw like last year, John Birdie. Everyone knows John Birdie. If you had John Birdie, you were loving life for a while there. Forty-one steals last year. But what's fun about this? A lot of guys. We talked about a two V already. Eighteen steals last year. All these guys. Schwarber, forty homers, ten steals. Like amazing. But then you look at, you know, the last three years combined, and these guys didn't even match or some didn't even come close to that total. So it goes back to the whole analysis, like uh, maybe don't overreact to a thing or find out why they did what they did. Um, and everyone's got a different story. Birdie got his chance, and he wasn't platooning. And Altuve, maybe he found, you know, they like to cheat in Houston, so who knows. Um, Judge, you got all these guys. It's just interesting if you look at the board here that you have and some, like, honorable mentions, the guys below 10, but Vladito had eight steals. And it wasn't it all after the the new manager came in? Wasn't that it what we were told? It was managerial so, change. All of a sudden, he had eight steals in the second half. All of them were in the second half. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Black this Guerrero up Jr. here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw the, the board half. on the for the group here. So this yeah. is the this is the benefit of the live show. I'm gonna throw this up on the. So you guys want the way home on the, tomorrow on the TV yeah, behind check us. Check it out on Twitter. You, you get to see it now. This is a board of. The best way to learn a language: immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The hit, uh, the hitters who have more stole, who had more stolen bases in 2022 than the previous three seasons combined and taking out like rookies and, and whatever. This is kind of the just random stolen base spike that seemed to happen not all over baseball, but it was pretty prevalent. And so, Bubba, you kind of listed off a, a, a good chunk of this list, but um, it was just interesting to see, like, Vlad Jr., see Guriel, see Aaron Hicks. Like, what? Aaron Hicks, 10 steals, 5 in, from 2019 to it's 21. Almost a steal every three games he played. Combined, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and even, like, Aaron Judge, man. Uh, come on. That, that season that he had, no one talks about the steals. 16 steals, that's a – that works. So the question we'll throw out back to the crowd is like, who on this list, John Birdie, Altuve, Judge, Springer, Schwarber, Vlad, 
is most likely to repeat what they did in 2022 from a stolen base standpoint. And real quick, if you want, you can come answer it. And if you want to, if you want to come up and, and say just why, make it quick. I got a Twitter here. answer, or not? It can be longer. Or you can just yell it. Yell it. Who do you? Uriel. Yeah. <laughs> Yuli Guriel. No. That that's Dave Mendelson. Everybody. <laughs> Josh Naylor. Kevin Hastings says Josh Naylor. That's an interesting one. Yeah. I love Naylor. Rock the baby. It's cool. Um, I have more questions on Nick Castellanos, but maybe he'll steal more bases. Who knows? Well, because he played in a ballpark that Marty Tallman couldn't even. (laughs) 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 I get to do what I want on the show. I got the mic. Um, Schwarber? Where'd Schwarber come from? Sorry, who's saying Schwarber? Yeah. Anyone? Well, that's the beauty of it. Like We were talking about it actually in the car right over here from the park. 210, 40, and 10. Yeah. The average doesn't crush That's you at that point, especially where his, like, his ADP last year. That's an year, O'Neal Cruz. Yeah, his ADP last year was nuts, yeah. and he's obviously going to get inflation this year because that's the world we live in. You in contact. Uh, Schwarber, he's ADP 71, so that's almost, what, 100 picks higher than last year, it feels like, or at least 80, 75. So you're paying for it, but still at that point, like if you drafted pitchers and you're short on power or something, that's a, and then you get some steals thrown in. That's great. I don't even want to get into the debate of are you going to steal more bases because of the rules. That's a yeah. That's that's way out of my pay grade. There's there's a lot. But, there's um, more panels on yeah. that. This Sunday week. morning, eight o'clock. I'd recommend that one. Um, check that out. I think I think the most interesting name on here is Vlad Jr. Um, Especially because the second half boast. Exactly the second mm-hmm. half. All of those eight steals came in the second half. All of them after Montoya was was let go in Toronto. I'm not saying he's gonna. We're gonna double that up and go to 16 next year. If he did that, that'd be crazy. But Aaron Judge did it this year. George Springer did it this year. Schwarber did 10. Like I, I don't know if it's like that. Give me. I mean, I'm not 10. projecting. Give it, me eight but to like, 10. That was the argument. That all. Why can you take Vlad at seven or eight because he doesn't steal bases? Blah blah blah. Yeah. You throw and, you throw in Vlad numbers, and he was kind of down this year. If you think about it, if you get back to normal Vlad numbers with eight to ten, yeah, eight to ten plus stolen bases, like, whew, like Aaron Judge, who? No, I'm just I, kidding. And I think I'm taking if if again uh, if if Vlad gets those like eight bags, I think I'm taking him over like Juan Soto in the first well, round. Yeah, that was the thing we talked about. So I'm, we both so. don't think Soto's going to run a ton this year. We think that, we think that might know. be kind of a thing of the past. That's a whole other debate for another show, but. Um, yeah, Soto's, Soto's going to be a fun one to dive in on this this uh, this offseason when uh, we get cooking on that. This next one's a lot of fun. Strikeouts. Let's talk strikeouts because this kind of brings back the Sandys and the the um, the ceases of the world. But do you want them to guess or you, want, you throw it up on yeah. that? Uh, no, I haven't thrown it up. So we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll throw out some guesses. Eight pitchers the last over the last two seasons, eight pitchers have 200-plus strikeouts in each of the last – Two seasons. Only eight. Let's get those eight. Who do we got? Who are, who are our guesses? Cole. Garrett That's Cole one. is correct. And Garrett Cole has the most of yeah. any pitcher the last two yeah, seasons. Pretty, 243 and 257. We've got Corbin Burns. Burns Nola, Vlad Nola. number two. So this is like a sharp room because they Who's just got, got one, two, and four. That was a good, good call. We've got Alan De, De Leonardis. I got that. That was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, you couldn't even do that when we recorded and we had listener questions. You can do it now. <laughs> in pro- you just needed some high noons. I got it. Um, we have five more. Who you got? 
Cease, good and Dylan Cease yep. is on there. Two twenty six yep. and two twenty seven. Four more people. The last two years. <laughs> Unfortunately, have, just missed. We have proud Alcantara dad. Mike, we have there. proud dad, Mike Carter. Alcantara, two hundred one and two hundred seven, squeaked in. It's the innings. It just he's an accumulator. We have three more, and these are kind of fun because. Yeah, you guys got the these one, easy Yeah, one. these ones are the one that really makes you like scratch your head for even this past year. The fact he got there made me laugh. Gossman's one, very good. God, you guys. Two hundred five and two twenty seven this past year. He got even better this past year. Rodon. Nope, no Rodon. No Wheeler. We'll give two more guesses, and we'll just give them to you. Robbie Ray is one. Robbie Ray, ding, ding, ding. Two twelve and two forty eight this last year. Even more cases last year than the other year. One more, and if you guys get this one, you guys are very sharp room because I saw it and just like didn't think possible. All right, I'll give it to you. Um, Charlie Morton, two hundred five and two sixteen. Like that is re- like he missed a lot of the way into the season. It felt like with injuries or getting blown up or in a start or something. So um, that's really crazy. But Bloom has another question for you on this one. What is my question? Most likely to repeat to oh. year three. Who do you think in this list? There's some obvious ones, of course. Yeah. But who do you think makes it to year three? Who are the safest best out of these eight to make it three in a row? You like Gossman? Who said Gossman? You like Gossman? I like that. That's that, that's that's bold. Cease lazy. Gossman good. <laughs> <laughs> Triple Blade boys are in the house, by the way. If you guys are curious, <laughs> I like the Gossman call though. That's 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 an interesting one because I've had my biases on Gossman, but the dude. No, it's Cole. Well, Cole's the easy. Yeah, I'm not. It's it's. Kevin Hastings going yeah. out he's on got, the limb. He's got, he's no, got, he's got like 500 Ks in the last two years, which is insanity. If you really, if you really, yeah, the, the remember, qu- you guys remember like in the middle of the season when Cole had a couple rough outings, and it's like, is Garrett Cole broken? Is he in trouble? Like, oh my God, the world is burning. Garrett Cole, Co- co-host Toby's, Toby's speaking through here. Yeah, yeah. Nola's, I love Nola. Like, guess he he doesn't get the love he deserves just because he has like occasional like bad sixth inning. Who who? Yeah, and he has that defense behind him just crushes him. Does does anyone want to make the case for an age thirty nine, Charlie Morton to make it three in a row? Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for some bold statements here, people. Bold. It'll yeah. be interesting. Um, Charlie Morton earned, according to HQ's values, uh, six dollars last year, four thirty four ERA, but got all those Ks. Okay, so we're gonna do we're gonna do a real works. quick run through. So guys that didn't have back to back. But they had 200 last year. Who makes it back-to-back this year? Yes or no? Carlos Rodon had 237, so you were close. He didn't have it the year before. Do you think Rodon – Jason Klett says no. Do you guys believe he gets it? He's a free agent tech. The Giants are bringing him back right out the gate. So, Klett says no. Anybody else say yes? You say yes? Yes? we got a couple yeses here. That's good. That's good. I got 200 yeses. That's really, really good. Shohei Otani at 219. Does he repeat? Colette says yes, 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 no, yes, yes. Okay, so we got a few. Nose. Nose on Otani. Um, a few. There's actually a decent amount of 200s, uh, but not more. Those are the only ones that weren't on the list already. That's impressive to tell you. Um, Bieber was 198, Darvish 197, Shane O'Mac 194. So even Framber Valdez had 194. Everyone says he can't strike guys out. He struck guys out last year. Don't give, don't give Framber love, people. Let him keep falling in drafts. I appreciate all of you. Um, so that that's a good one as well. Uh, Bloom, let's go to the next one. This is a fun one because we talk K to walk a lot on the show. A lot on the show. And this is a very, very interesting one when you talk first half, second half splits. 
So there's not going to be guesses here because I don't know. It's more if that's of a conversation. The best content. Who had the highest strikeout minus walk? We'll be here differential. all night. Like, yeah, we'll be here a while. Um, but one of mine, just to kind of folks out there, like my go-to, if you just have one pitching metric to look at, it's strikeout minus walk rate. That gets you like very far. It's something that's easy to understand. It's one number. It's strikeouts and walks, things we can we can see and visualize. Um, I also have the pretty firm belief that pitchers can change very quickly, even in season, uh, much more so than hitters who are more prone to just kind of regressing to their mean, even over multiple seasons. Um, so strikeout minus walk rate in season is one of the one of the big things I look at, just because there can be changes in velocity, changes in pitch mix, even not even changes in pitch mix, but like changes in shape of existing pitches that might not get picked up by like a Brooks baseball or a baseball savant. Um, so what this board is, is the 10 or maybe eight, whatever, a bunch of guys who were the biggest gainers in strikeout minus walk rate from the first half to second half, and then your bottom eight as well. So I'm going to pull that up now, and we're going to talk look, through Colette, uh, don't look. some interesting names. <laughs> Jason Collette's in the room. Who's... I'm going to bring it up he, slowly, Collette. He was all happy at Alex Fast things. It was three rays, three rays, three rays. I'm going to go so so the so for the audience, green obviously is well, maybe not obviously because on Savant it's not. I'm going up. There's Bassett. We're at the bottom, almost at. Oh, that's painful. Yeah, As we're going to get to we're, we're going to get to that in a minute. But Jason, I, I'm sorry, Shane McClanahan yeah. by far had the biggest drop. Real in, quick, uh, let's just while, while, while you're here, come, can you grab the mic for a second and jump in? Yeah, I'd, I'd love just to because I want to get your thoughts on Shane, Shane McClanahan because it's one of those, like, we could think this, that, so, injury, and the other, but you and just for the, the race. For the so listeners you, at home, 31% for Shane McClanahan, strikeout minus walk in the first half. That dropped to 148 in the second half. So Jason, go ahead. Well, I mean, I, I said it when uh, before the season. He was on that path to that – Blake Snell, 2018 Cy Young year, in the first half of the season, he was amazing. That's the path he was blazing. He, you know, the changeup went from a pitch that was he rarely threw it to an actual weapon that he threw. You know, it was a secondary pitch, uh, and then he got hurt right after. He had a great start against Baltimore right after the break. Then he went on the IL. Then he came back, uh, and then he struggled uh, around it. He went from a 179 first half ERA to a 420 in the second half. Yep. Uh, and just it wasn't he was automatic uh, before that and then after that he was just really struggling it wasn't until the very end of September that he finally looked like the guy that was pitching before the break um, so we just got a, a first and second half thing but honestly he looked as great as Snell looked in 2018 I thought he was right there uh, for the Cy Young until he started getting more attention and that's when he fell apart uh, with that so you know, I, I'm still very much uh, in on him again this year, and I don't think a lot of that was uh, injury-related. But at the same time, the fact that Glasnow and, and Boz have both gone down with major injuries of late uh, is concerning because Tampa Bay used to have this great run of, hey, we're avoiding all these injuries, and now they've had a lot of high-profile guys, and Kittridge is there as well, um, and uh, Nick Anderson. Uh, so they've had a lot of high-profile guys – fall apart uh for reason so that's the only thing honestly it scares me that's pretty much what i wrote in the rotowire uh player capsule form for 2023 so as you read it that was me that wrote it <laughs> would you so just real quick just to kind of pin you down for next year if, if, if based on how we finish so just adp wise he's going right behind he's going in between brandon woodruff and aaron nola does that does that does that feel about right uh i guess it would feel a 
about right, but I'd still want the other two. Uh, yeah. I mean, the unbalanced, the, the rebalanced schedule uh, should help him out a bit. But those other two, I know they can give me the volume. And McClanahan hasn't showed the volume yet. That's the missing skill is is the volume. And I know I can get the volume out of Nola. Uh, and Woodruff has at least done it once. Uh, but it's still one more time that McClanahan's done it. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate yep. it, man. Thanks. That's good stuff. Uh, we'll stay on the negative for now, and we'll go to the positive we'll, we'll, so he doesn't keep scrolling back and forth. Um, and we'll just go to this quickly because Ryan mentioned earlier. Uh, Nathan Yavaldi, we both love him, and he's definitely a Bloomboards favorite. He's a Bloomboards OG. He yeah, is a, it almost started a, with Nathan Yavaldi, it yeah. felt like, <laughs> when it all got going. 22.2% in the first half, 116 in the second half. Uh, I know you said you had a you had to kind of have a, a tough conversation tonight. So um, yeah. did you want to talk about Nate Evaldi? I mean, we're, we're breaking up. Yeah. We're breaking up tonight. It's um, – Not even here. Hey, sometimes that's the best exactly. way to do it. <laughs> he, is, he is not here. It's and not we you, are, it's me. We are no uh, – I sent him a DM. He'll get, he probably missed it. He's hanging out with Chris Hill breaking stuff, so we'll, he'll get back with us shortly. It'll be okay. um, with these boards, and I say these all the time, it's so easy to kind of look at this and say, like, oh, I'm going to target all the green guys. I'm going to fade all the red guys. There's just a lot more context and nuance and all that stuff. So going one level deeper with Nate Evaldi, I just it, the injury history that was there early in his career is is now back and back in a big way. You look at his first half to second half uh, swinging strike rate, which is one of the key metrics that I look at um, as an indicator for strikeouts. That thing dropped from 13.9% in the first half to 10.7. That's a, that's a, that's a major drop in, in whiffs. And the velocity was down 96.6 in the first half, 94.3 in the second half. A two-mile-an-hour downtick in, in fastball velo with the injuries that really caused that velocity drop is um is why I'm 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 calling it off. That's fair. It's fair. Sometimes you just have to cut cut the cord and make it happen for you. But um it's about time. We've both been native of all the guys and we were just waiting for those injuries to show up. It was, the, just, it was just a matter of time with him. The interesting thing, ADP two thirty four for native Aldi. Like that's a he's pretty cheap. Um he's going like between Bailey Ober and Aaron Ashby. He's going ahead of Miles Michaelis, Andrew Heaney. Um, that's the kind of group you're you're thinking about with Evaldi. But um, that injury, it, it just it just it, it scares me. I don't think he was right in the second half. I don't know. I don't really, don't really know why Boston pitched him when they didn't really need to in the second half. They had nothing to play for. But fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> Ray Chime. That yeah. So for the for the listeners, he was a free agent, and or he is a free agent, and maybe yeah, Boston doesn't care. Uh, a name that popped up on this list that's funny, like Frankie Montas, we know what the disaster that that turned into. You have you know, Eric Lauer just fell off the map. Chris Bassett, a little surprising, a little bit, because he still pitched well, just didn't get the strikeouts, and I don't know if I'm overly concerned there. But Dylan Cease stands out in a big way. Cause we just talked, we just glorified him. He's getting drafted with you know Alcantara and Woodruff. He's 200Ks back-to-back years. He's this guy you can just rely on to build stats for you. But 23.4% K to walk in the first half, 167 in the second half. You see, a, a, that's a pretty solid drop for a guy you're expecting to get K's. We know we've heard guys talk about the end of the season. If you're like in a head-to-head league, it wasn't great for you. Alex Fast mentioned that, the consistency with Dylan C's. Because he had that stretch of what, like, I feel like almost 20 starts. It wasn't 20, but like 12, yeah, 13 like starts where he was one runner less. Like he was a freak, an absolute freak. And then just kind of went downhill. So 
What are you seeing with Cease that kind of stands out? Um, should we be concerned by this, or is it more just like a, maybe we saw something great and we kind of saw a little regression, and maybe this year he kind of powers through it to the end type thing? We see it with young pitchers all the time. So is it one of those type of deals? I don't know. With I mean, and I, I'll admit I'm lower on C. I didn't have Cease this year. Like I, I'm kind of lower on him than than the market. I just I, the walk rate kind of kills me. Um, kind of a consistent 10, 11 percent walk rate guy. And he can overcome that with like a 34, 35% K rate, but that K rate dropped to 27% in the second half. Whiffs were down almost 3% in the second half. Had a 193 ERA in the second half. Like that was amazing on the surface. Uh, but at HQ, we've, we've got our own expected ERA metric, and that's, that was at 391. We don't, we don't often see a two run gap between ERA and expected. ERA, which is our skills-based measure for it. So um, I'm really not hesitating taking Brandon Woodruff or Aaron Nola or something like that over Dylan Cease. Maybe I get burned by it again because the K upside is, uh, as, as was said by Jeff Erickson on the, on the golf course yesterday, real and beautiful. Real and beautiful, um, man. So good. I, I, I just like other options that early. I, I just, I don't know, that, that second half fade that early in the draft, concerns me for Dylan Cease. Uh, that's, that's the thing with Cease, is, and we kind of talked about earlier, is the issues he's had in years past was control. And then we saw it kind of spike up again when he wasn't getting the strikeouts, and that's control's a thing that they have to – it's almost like a learn. you have to learn it and actually perform it over and over and over again. It's not just like a, a fluky thing. Yeah. So real quick, we kind of had the Cease conversation earlier, but we had it compared to others. Who's in on Cease next year? At this price? Yeah. Paying the premium. Who's not in on Cease at this price? Yeah, it's about 50-50. It's close. Like, I see the appeal. Like, we saw him, if he, literally, if he takes that last, like, two-month step as elite, like, we'll be talking late first, second round type, he'll be entering that conversation next year. But can he do it type thing. Uh, let's talk some positives here. And um, we had, you know, the guys over here, Carlos Rodon with Kevin Hastings, went from 22-3 in the first half to 30.2 in the second half. And as a Giants fan, trust me, I witnessed this firsthand. And it was – I was just always waiting for the other shoe to drop. But it never did. He just shocked me. I know they won't. Uh, t- the option will not be accepted from Rodon. He'll get paid somewhere to go. But that's back-to-back years that he got it done. And I guess we should first off not tr- ever. Sorry, earmuffs, Mike. We should never trust the White Sox when they don't pick up a cheap option on a guy that's really, really good. <laughs> because that, I just thought if they, was... I thought he's like got to be hurt. Like, why would you not pay the man like what fifteen, sixteen million dollars to come back? And then the Giants going to pay twenty something million to bring him in. So there had to be something there. But uh, you got Rodon making that jump back-to-back years. He stayed healthy enough to be a very productive pitcher. Is third time the charm that he continues it, or is it third time the charm that we get back to Carlos Rodon? That's the conundrum here. And you're going to pay a price for it now. So are you believing this this improvement we saw in the second half? I'm just sitting here shaking my head. (laughs) Because... I mean, that was one of my biggest whiffs last year was Carlos Rodon. For that, well, you I and mean, me both, the, we've talked about it. Like, injury we history, and yeah, the White Sox just not even not not doing anything with the qualifying offer. Rodon was the biggest head scratcher of this um, of this list, just because of the yeah. Like I thought, I thought best case, we'd get like a great half season of Rodon, and he would break down and mm-hmm. you know do his thing. But to, for him to get that much better. Um, in the second half is, is impressive. And you also, it's interesting, like we need to kind of almost shake these preconceived notions of, of who's quote-unquote risky from an injury standpoint, who's not. Carlos Rodon 
made 24 starts in 2021. He made 31 starts in 2022. Like, maybe I should do a bloom board of that. There's probably not, like, a whole lot of starters at Rodon's level that, that, can, that have done that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means for 2023. Like, I again, maybe it's just a fault in my game where I can't get over that, like, mental hurdle of 2019 and 2020, what we saw there. Um, with 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 the injuries and and all like shoulder elbow related um i just i don't know i'm probably not going in and i maybe i get burned by it because uh 130 plus innings each of the last two years a sub three era each of the last two years like you can't argue he's proven it he's proven it Uh, my argument of prove it do it again he's proved it so now now it it gets tricky for sure um another fun one here though and this is a i give bloom credit every time i see this name because it was i think it was two years ago when we were worried about Gallon's Zach Gallon, his um, injury concerns about his dead arm or whatever he had going on, you kept tweeting out the pitcher that pitched the most innings in the second half of the season last year when we thought he was hurt was Zach Gallon. That was two years ago, and it kind of opened your eyes like, wow, like maybe it's just a preconceived notion. We're seeing all these injury reports, but the dude actually threw more innings than anybody in baseball. So what the heck's going on here? And then last year, sixteen percent K to walk in the first half, twenty four point one in the second half. And it just gets better that he had a 2.54 ERA, you know, 3.32 xFIP. But what I love to see, 184 innings pitched after 121 the year before. He was healthy. He was an ace. Like if you if you really break down the second half splits the entire way, like he had a sub two ERA. The dude was just lights out. But he was on a bad baseball team, so no one talked about him. Yep. But he was so so good. And this feels maybe I'm maybe this is again biases where I'm like thinking too much. This seems like the real deal, and it seems like he could be. Obviously, ADP can change. Where he's going now kind of seems like one of those like no-brainer situations. Like especially if you go if you want two good pitchers early, but you take one and kind of wait. This seems like a great SP two if he can pull it off, or if you like to punt pitching. I don't know if you roll the dice as an SP one, but you could, I guess. Yeah. And so, what's your thoughts on Gallon? Because you you've at least opened my eyes to him a couple of years ago, so you've kind of paid attention to him a little bit. Yeah, I kind of like I don't know. Maybe I'm zigging and zagging too much, but I, I did like Zach Allen a lot entering the season when the market was down on him, and I think I'm kind of. So you're the million going the dollar other man. way. You're the million dollar man. Everyone's got a price. Everyone's got a price. Because okay. uh, okay. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll pull up a couple of comps in just a minute. But just to nail a couple of things on Gallon, I mean, the big, the big rise in that strikeout minus walk rate, that was strikeout rate driven. Uh, 23% K rate in the first half, 31% K rate in the second half. He was, he was dominant. He had that famous, um, as, as there's an Oral Hershiser mm-hmm. jersey in the room, uh, in the audience, maybe is that oral? Is that you? That's oral. Yeah. Yeah. He had that. I mean, he Zach Allen had that oral Hershiser type uh, scoreless streak that kind of got those headlines. But that big jump in K rate was. I, again, I'll go back to swinging strike. Like I, to just kind of validate that the swinging strike it was still below average, um, even with that big hike in the second half. So um, I think that comes down a little bit. And then really the other thing again is the market like. The SP going around Zach Gallen right now are Kevin Gossman, who we just talked about, Luis Castillo, and then Gallen, Joe Musgrove. Like, I'm probably going Castillo or or Gossman over uh, over Gallen. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like, I I agree with the Castillo part for sure. Gossman, I'm always just worried with that splitty. Like, I could, I could disappear at any moment. We have a Toronto guy back there. Are we good with Gossman? Good with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You do have to pick. Yeah, that, that's the fun part. That's what makes all this entertaining. That's how we podcast for an hour. Um, 
But yeah, the schedule be very. Is that you back there said that? You, that's Todd. Todd. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that that whole the, the east the east being a little different. That's tremendous. Yeah. I agree. No, my 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 thing is I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, well, I, I can dis I can disagree with what I can disagree with whatever I want. Trust me, but um, you've never seen this, have you? Um, but I listened to like Pollock and some other pitcher guys that they say the split is the easiest pitch to lose type situation, and he hasn't for a couple of years. That's what makes it tough. <laughs> well, I appreciate we you being here, not over there listening to him. So that's great. People have come over here because they don't want to listen to Paul. Divul- so they, they have left Nick Pollock's uh, concurrent uh, session to come I'll, here, I'll and hear, now we're, hear now we're, di- later, we're diverging into that. But, uh, yeah, so it's an interesting group. There's some good pockets of pitching early on here in ADP. But one, I kind of want to mention a guy that um, really came on the second half, then he got hurt, and they just kind of shut him down in Chicago. And that's Justin Steele. It's one of those guys that uh, I was on like right out of the gate when he got put up and then guys started two-stepping him and it, it was this and that. About a 12% K to walk, got to a 20.5% K to walk, didn't pitch in September at all. But the dude was so, so good. Basically one and runner less his last like 10-plus starts. He was very effective. And what was very good to see, the pitch mix changed and the strikeout showed up. Yep. Early on, and that obviously shows by the bloom board, but um, he wasn't striking guys out at all early on. He was almost like a pitch-to-contact guy. And then it was 5-plus Ks almost routinely with like 8, 9 Ks here and there. The Cubs shut him down. Like they, they, they thought about bringing him back here and there, but why? You're the Cubs. And what's intriguing, and I'll let you have the four in a minute, but yeah, it, the dude's got an ADP of 314 right now. And that's one of those guys – I'm not saying he's going to be elite, elite. I would not be shocked if he's way outperforms that, though, at the same time, if yeah. he get on a full season. So what's your thoughts on Steele? Um, I just – I really like when there's a increase in not only stats, but going one level deeper – than that, a, a an improvement in skills, but even one level one level deeper than that, a difference in approach that drives the change in change skills that drives the results. Yeah. Like there's kind of those like those three layers that I like to that I like to look at. And Justin Steele checked all of those boxes. Um, one forty one forty eight ERA over his last eight starts. I know we're in super small sample mode, um, but you had the uptick in K's supported by the uptick in whiff rate supported by an uptick in in slider usage. And he's also got a, a, um, a fastball that misses a lot of bats. It's got some good movement on it. It's, he's not going to light up the gun velocity-wise, but the movement on those pitches, I almost think of him as like a, I don't know, like a mini like Lance Lynn with a couple different fastballs that kind of move and play off each other, and then he's got the slider that, uh, that he really revved up in the second half. So Justin Steele, I didn't realize his ADP was outside the top 300. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I mean, this is like the profile that I would speculate on that laid in drafts, um, yeah. w- without a doubt. We've got a question. We got a, we got a you mic. You can grab a here, mic Rob. if you want to talk to the mic here. We have Rob Silver coming. He's from Toronto. Canada. He's, the sto- area, he's the storming area, the podcast stage. So we fan. might get. I didn't know if this was. A, I not know if this is an open, open session. Um, Rob was late, so we didn't get the ground rules. Yeah, he was busy. <laughs> he was busy listening to Nick Pollock and others yeah, talk starting pitching. Um, I'm I'm so curious, Ryan, because I think I, I think you're so sharp and I think you're great. So so <laughs> but, so so, so building no, no, no building <laughs> off of the steel comments. Um, I'm so curious in terms of your actual draft prospect uh, process. <laughs> How you factor those small late samples 
versus an overall season projection, whether it's That's an HQ question, pro- uh, projection or a steamer or, or Todd Zola projection or projection, when you're actually putting together your draft strategy and you see these trends off the bloom boards and you obviously do the work and it's so good and it's so like, it's, it's awesome. How do you weigh those last four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, second half versus a proper projection? which is not just the second half. Mm-hmm. It's a weighted average yeah. with most most recent stats weighted heavily, but a career arc. I'm just curious what your actual draft strategy is because you produce so much great content on those late things. How do you actually incorporate it? So I, I, I'll admit, this is, a, this is a learning process. I don't have the answer, but my approach, I don't have the right answer, I, I think. My approach is, and I know like Jeff Zimmerman has talked about this, is like, and, and Rob, you touched on it, your, your kind of basic projections will have those three-year weighted averages and projection systems now are getting smarter and smarter going into StatCast and, and things like that. But to my knowledge, I, I'm not aware of a projection system that accounts for pitch mix changes to kind of change those weights of those like three-year weighted averages. Um, And so what I like to do is find the things that the projection systems do not account for because my competition, you you people in the room, are using those projections and I want to find the edge of what differs from a very sharp projection. These projection systems are better than, better than, you know, I think we give them credit for. The the answer that I don't have, Rob, so to answer the first part of your question, that is what I do. I go through and I look at, I pull these numbers to look at who had the biggest pitch mix changes throughout the season last year. Those are the guys I'm going to go deeper in and actually adjust what, a, what an HQ projection might do um, or a steamer or whatever. The thing that I don't have the answer to, and again, it's a learning process, I don't know how much to adjust that by. So like Justin Steele, do I just throw out the – pretty much the first half half (laughs) and just look at his last eight games. If you did that in 2020, you got, you got Zach Plesak because there was a pitch mix change there and it was eight games and it was, it was tough. Yeah. Zach Plesak was a bad guy. Sorry, sorry. sorry. 2021. My bad. Coming off of 2020. My bad. So you miss some, you get some. You miss some, you get some. You know, the the real answer, the simple answer, you just use your gut, right? <laughs> I just I don't know how much to I don't know how to quantify how much to adjust off that projection. But yeah, that's so Todd makes a point. So can hear you. But Todd's saying it's a great point. You don't I don't need to know how much to quantify as long as I'm higher than the market on that player because of that change. Yeah, you're right. That that it might not matter. We have one Ray Murphy from Baseball HQ that has a, a point to make. Yeah, just to. Be the guy, come at it from the perspective of the guy who is handling those projections. It is everything I can do to not want to go touch the thumb on the scale because <laughs> of the blue boards. So, but like I, b- because of exactly the point you make, I know it's the wrong thing to do, so I don't do it. Yeah. But it's compelling enough that I'm like, you know, well, at least once a week, I'm like, I really should just go in there and tweak Ivaldi, right? Because you know he's popped, he's now popped on seven blue boards. You know, let's just go you know, make that projection look a little better. But for exactly the Zach Plesak example or the great, putting your thumb on the scale is one thing, but, you know, the unanswerable question of how much, the easier answer is to, you know, the better answer, I think, is to just not do it. 
which well, is, you know, a temptation. I'm Lord now that I'm looking at the first bloom boards of the off season, I have to remind myself, don't bite. Well, one one thing we we say almost every time we do a bloom board, this just opens the door to research more. That's this, what I this, that, this that's how they were born. That's this doesn't mean born. like this is the, the Bible, but it's like that stands out with Justin Steele. Now, what did it? Only well, made a pitch mix change. Is that a sustainable situation? You dig deeper into stuff like that. You don't just rely on the stats, yes. and that that just opens the door to finding more things. Because you know the early boards we use, of course, you know Dylan Cease and Garrett Cole and all these guys are on the. Well, that's yeah, Captain Obvious. But Charlie Morton made the list. And I'm not saying go draft Charlie Morton, but the fact he had 200 Ks in back to back years. Well, at least dig into it and see what's going on, and maybe he's worth the pick later on. That's the point of the bloom boards. And there's more names on here. We'll get to them on our next episode, starting pitching. But before we leave tonight, first off, thank you all for coming. That was pretty awesome. But if you want, there's a microphone up here. We have about 10 minutes for Q&As if you want. Otherwise, we'll call it a day. But if you want, come on up. We will answer whatever you want, or there's people here who might answer it for you too. So if you have anything. up here we haven't covered. Yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to come on up. If you have questions for FPAS, raise right there. So feel free to ask him <laughs> anything you want. <laughs> there, there are no more high noons on the table, though. So yeah. you, can't, you cannot come up and steal one. But if you guys are good, we appreciate you guys for coming. Uh, any final thoughts, as we usually do before we take off? This has been a blast. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. It's been, it's been a great a time. And we thank all you guys for coming. It really means a lot to guys that helped. Derek, Vlad, Colette, who cheated on us again. <laughs> Rob, Ray, Todd over there. All you guys that, that, that took part, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ and BaseballHQ.com. I'm at BD Entrick, and thanks to you all. We'll catch you guys next week.